everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be exploring the Holy Spirit, reading pieces of my new book, and wondering if the Spirit is more like a dove or a goose. In the Christian calendar, this is Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate Pentecost, or the day 50 days after Easter, when we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming on the early church with tongues of fire. And this was in Jerusalem, and before this, they had just been waiting. Jesus told them to wait, and so they waited, and then the Spirit showed up, and everything changed. They were able to speak in different languages, and Thousands of people were added to the church that day as this little band of disciples shared the message of Jesus with those who had gathered in Jerusalem. So kind of an exciting time. And I haven't really celebrated the church calendar much before. I'm slowly starting to dabble in it a little bit. And so as I think about Pentecost today, and I was like, you know what? What a better opportunity to just kind of talk about the Holy Spirit. I actually have a whole chapter in my book that's coming out in just a couple of weeks called Religious Rebels, talking about the Holy Spirit and my own interactions and experiences and understandings that have changed over the years of and with the Holy Spirit. So I'm actually going to read you a piece of that chapter today. And I'm also going to read you another article that I found on the National Catholic Register, which is kind of fun. I like crisscrossing into other denominations and just seeing what they have to say. And The thing about the Catholic Church is that it's been around for a very long time, and so they know a lot about early church history, which is super fun to kind of just dig into that. So that's where we're going today. I feel like the Holy Spirit is often either misused and abused or just completely ignored in the evangelical church. So growing up, I did not ever really hear about the Spirit. We just talked about God the Father and Jesus. As I look around Christianity, I think that's still true. Like there's a lot of people who just ignore the Holy Spirit. We're not really sure what to do with him or like how to even interact or experience or anything like that. And then you have more of the Pentecostal and charismatic groups where I think it's great that they acknowledge the Holy Spirit. But in some of them, I see kind of this desire to control his power. And so it feels like the Holy Spirit is either kind of like ignored or abused and controlled. So it's just... An interesting topic to kind of explore. And we're going to start, I'm just going to read you guys pieces of my book. So pieces of this chapter. This is from chapter 14. And I start with a story. I actually start all of my chapters with a story. And this is a story from back in the cult days. We were at a winter retreat in northern Michigan. All of us youth and young people who weren't exactly youth anymore, but we weren't married. So we were still considered part of the non-youth group. It wasn't really a youth group because youth groups are bad but part of the young adults, I guess you could call us. So we were up in Gladwin area at this camp having our winter youth retreat. So here we go. Is there anything wrong with that? His voice was a gentle rumble that spoke to my soul. No. The answer could only be no. There was nothing wrong. The knotty pine beams of the camp chapel arched overhead while the snow drifted down outside and we sat mesmerized by this big black man leading us in an experience of God like we'd never had before. Johnny Jones had been a pastor before coming to serve at our cultic organization's newest training center in the city of Flint, Michigan. 
Unbeknownst to me at the time, he had been betrayed by the organization and was a broken man who would soon be leaving the center completely disillusioned. But before he went, Pastor Johnny came to teach at our winter youth retreat. I have to wonder if it was Pastor Johnny's own frustration that fueled his passion that night, his own desperation for God that provided an avenue into the Spirit's power and presence. I wonder if his eyes had been opened to the lies and if he was trying to set us free too. Whatever it was, we felt it. And from his stool on the stage, Pastor Johnny led us into an experience that I will never forget. God was there in that chapel with us. Someone would read a portion of scripture or pray or start to sing or whatever they felt prompted to do. And Johnny's deep rumble would gently ask us each time it was finished, is there anything wrong with that? No, we whispered back. I don't know what revival really looks like, but when I hear the word, I can't help thinking back to the snowy retreat in northern Michigan. Despite still being deep in the cult, I felt something that night that reinforced my own beliefs in the total reality of God. He was more than a distant concept or an idea. He was a real and living presence. That's the first time I think I really ever experienced the Holy Spirit in such a deep way, although I can't say first time because you think back to that day in my bedroom when I was praying and felt God's presence for the first time. So later in the chapter, I kind of ponder and connect the dots. And it says, it took years for me to connect the dots. Not long ago, I was driving in my car alone, pondering the Holy Spirit when I had an epiphany. My thoughts wandered down this path. What happened to the Holy Spirit in evangelical Christianity? He definitely gets less than his fair share of attention. Theologically, the Holy Spirit is an equal member of the Trinity, but unless you attend a charismatic or Pentecostal church, he's pretty much ignored. Sure, we tell people that they will receive the Holy Spirit when they trust in Jesus to be their Savior. We might mention that he's called the Comforter or Helper, or that he's the guarantee of our salvation. But most of us don't talk about him, and we definitely don't pray to him. Is it because we don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit? Maybe we're afraid or unsure about him, so we ignore him. We talk about God and Jesus and leave it at that. I sat there thinking, wishing I knew more about the Holy Spirit and feeling like I was missing something when it hit me. According to the Bible, the Holy Spirit is the one I know the best. This realization was almost overwhelming. The Bible tells us that God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven, sitting at God's right hand. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one here with us. It's hard to explain the emotion that exploded in my heart. It was as if I'd grown up knowing I had a missing sibling and then suddenly found out they'd been my best friend for the past 10 years. It was an, oh, it's you moment. I called him Jesus, but it was actually the Holy Spirit who became real to me when I was 15 years old, helped me to see through the lies of my cultic organization and started my questioning and rebelling against the false teachings of my church. The Holy Spirit was the one who brought me to my Christian summer camp and helped me to find true grace, freedom, and love. He was the one I'd gotten to know over the years. I felt his presence. We talked and laughed together. He explained the Bible to me and reminded me of verses I needed to hear. He was the one who gave me strength and peace through my miscarriages and helped me to trust what I didn't think I could. He helped me to deconstruct and reconstruct my Christian beliefs multiple times. He showed me how to forgive, let go, and move on. I called him Jesus, but he was really the missing member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. I wasn't sure why this new understanding made me want to giggle, but it did. I was filled with an unexplainable joy and satisfaction. Sorry, didn't expect to get so emotional reading my own story. Ah, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, guys, like the Holy Spirit is this missing thing. He is this peace that too often is controlled or ignored, and yet he is the one who's here with us. Like that's just astounding to me. And 
I think that it's the missing piece of everything. I think it's the missing piece of our relationship with God. I want to share something else with you guys, like I said, that I found on the National Catholic Register. So often we think of the Holy Spirit as the dove, right? He shows up at Jesus' baptism as this dove, and he's sweet and calm and peaceful like a dove, right? But the early Christians understood the Holy Spirit differently, and I want to read you guys pieces of this because it's so interesting. They used to call him the wild goose. The Holy Spirit was also known as the wild goose. So just listen to some of this history of the church. It says, you've heard of a wild goose chase, right? It's a hopeless pursuit, a foolish search that is certain to prove unsuccessful. The adventurer who sets out on a wild goose chase wastes a lot of time chasing after something he'll never catch or following a path that leads nowhere. The Oxford Dictionary defines a wild goose chase as a hopeless search for something that is impossible to find. In earlier times, a wild goose chase referred not to birds but to horses. In the equine version of a wild goose chase, the lead rider steered his galloping horse erratically through the open countryside with followers, like geese soaring overhead in a classic V formation, replicating his every move. Can you imagine that? That just sounds hilarious to me. This guy just like charging around on his horse and everyone else trying to follow him. So what does all this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Isn't the third person of the Holy Trinity represented as a gentle dove? Not always. Early Christians had an appreciation for the goose's unexpected interventions and saw the goose as a fitting symbol for the spirit. Well before Shakespeare wrote of a wild goose chase, believers saw the noble goose as a symbol of vigilance. There's actually a story that talks about how the Gaelic Celts were attacking the city of Rome and they'd overtaken most of the city, but then the last few people were on the top of this hill. The soldiers are up there. And the invading Gaelic Celts were trying to get up the hill, but a flock of geese was startled by their sound and began cackling and making noises. And the Roman soldiers woke up and were able to defeat them. And so when they thought of a goose, they thought of somebody who was strong, kept careful watch, had wisdom, and somebody who didn't give up. And also just kind of somebody who will attack. So here's this. It says, geese watch at night and give warnings with their noise. They can smell humans better than any other animal can. So whereas the dove has a reputation for gentleness and calmness, a wild goose will attack if it feels threatened. It's wild and untamed. In the same way, the Celtic believers in the British Isles believe that the Holy Spirit is unpredictable, upsetting the status quo and leading people towards a new adventure with God. They found evidence for this interpretation in John 3, 8, which says, The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what best represents the Holy Spirit? On the one hand, the Holy Spirit is as gentle as a dove. He can come silently, planting the seeds of wisdom in our hearts. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit is sometimes rambunctious as a goose, wrestling us from our sedentary ways, disturbing the status quo, and injecting the fire of God's love. Either way, he is welcome. Come, Holy Spirit. I will link that in the show notes because it's a fantastic little article to read and just to think about the Holy Spirit being a wild goose who is wild and untamed, who is unpredictable. Jesus told us that it was good for him to leave, to go back to heaven, because if he left, he would send us a helper, a comforter, wild, untamed, unpredictable helper, who is the seal of our salvation, who truly is God who's the changer of our hearts, the empower of our weakness, 
the giver of wisdom and words, God himself, the spirit of Jesus Christ. Guys, I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if we believed that. If we believed that God himself dwelt with us, inside of us, the same God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. What would that do to our faith? I think so much of our stuckness is due to a lack of faith. It doesn't make sense, and so we don't believe it. It seems far-fetched, and so we don't believe it. We can't see it, and so we don't believe it. I think we have to venture into this unknown and somewhat imaginary place that's real and experience things that we can't explain. I think that there is so much more to this world than we can see and touch and hear and taste and all these things with our bodies. And I think that the spirit is very like that. Like he is very real. He's in my life. I just, everywhere I turn, I see the spirit now. And just reading that section from my book just caught me up in tears, just thinking about how very real he has been and how he has led and guided me over the years. And even as I'm doing this ridiculous book launch right now, like this ridiculous book launch is making me feel so inadequate and like, what am I doing? And I'm too small and my book is too small and everything's too small. And and yet the spirit just keeps reminding me like God loves to use small things. If you look at scripture, all throughout scripture, small things are used by God to accomplish his purposes. And so I I love that the spirit is a part of this. I love that I can look at it and say, this is not me. I am not the person who decided to do this, that opened the doors that happened. I'm just the one who said, okay, let's let's go. Like I'll I'll follow you wherever you're gonna go. I want you to follow him too. I want you to experience him. I want you to recognize that there is more than you can understand, that you're made for more, that there's an entire universe out there that we can't see, that we can't experience yet, but that we will one day. And we can touch it every now and then here on earth. We, we have the chance to just connect and be a part of it. So I hope that the wild goose leads you on an amazing chase, that you get to go on crazy adventures, and that he continues to whisper truth to your heart to give you wisdom and discernment as you continue to seek after the real God. Thanks for listening, friends. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to have you join me over on my Substack at christylynwood.substack.com for newsletters, notes, and a community of people who are searching for the real God.